thank you for sharing about how God has graciously worked in your life. What an encouraging testimony for us to hear uh, this morning. Normally on the Sanctity of Life Sunday, we focus on the sin of abortion in general. We focus on the life of a baby being taken, and that's proper and right to do. But today, I want to focus on the power of the gospel to deal with shame and guilt, not just for those who have had abortions and now have come to see how deeply they are wounded, but Suzanne suggested that she might be the only person here that is dealing with or has dealt with shame and guilt. And I would say that every single person here this morning, every single one of us in the pew and standing in this place have much for which to experience shame and to feel deep, deep guilt. It may be abortion. It may be a plethora of other sins. And so today we want to talk about the healing power of the gospel. I love to listen to music. And I'm an odd person in that. I can concentrate better in study and reading while listening to music. But I've experienced a problem over the years. As I am, for example, at a coffee shop working on my sermon, which I do from time to time, and I'm listening to music to help me study, I hear other music. I hear other people talking. I hear the traffic out on the road. And if I'm at home studying, sometimes I hear dogs barking, and dogs barking probably distract me more than anything else. And so while I listen to music, and I want to listen to music for the enjoyment and also to focus and and to concentrate, this background noise really distracts me. Well, I've solved my problem. I heard advertised these noise-canceling headphones. And so I thought, well, that sounds good, too good to be true. So I was skeptical, but I went out and bought a pair of noise-canceling headphones, and they work. I can put those things on, turn on my classical music or whatever I want to listen to, and go anywhere and study and concentrate and enjoy listening to that music free from distraction. I want to relate that to the fact that we need spiritual noise-canceling headphones. Because the, the noise of shame and guilt can blare to such decibels that we no longer hear the glorious song of the gospel. We can no longer hear there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Today we want to look at the healing power of the gospel, perhaps in an unusual place in your mind, but it's another passage from the Old Testament, Zephaniah chapter 3 and verses 14 through 17. Let me help you. 
page 790 in the Pew Bible. That will save you from starting in Genesis and repeating all the Bible verses uh, to Zephaniah, as I often find myself doing. And what we read in this passage of Scripture is that God, God's delight for his redeemed. Even though we are sinful, even though we are wayward, even though we are disappointing so many times, we struggle. Yet Zephaniah des- describes God's delight over his redeemed. So if you have that passage of Scripture in your Bibles, let me read it for us. The word of the Lord. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. And verse 17, which is the verse that will be our focus today. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Do you hear him singing? The word of the Lord is eternal. It stands firm in the heaven. It is perfect, reviving the soul, and may it revive our souls to the extent that we hear him singing his song of delight over you and me. And so we'll look at at three things today, his delight, and we will also consider not only his delight, but the noise. And then lastly, we'll look at, at his love uh, for us. Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessing that it is to us. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the power of healing that it brings to us. And I pray today that for each one here that we would experience the healing power of the gospel such that we will be able to hear God's song of delight over us even as we delight in his provisions for our salvation. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's dig into this passage Verses 14 through 17, the theme there is that the Lord, the the mighty one, is in the midst of his people. And he's in the midst of his people bringing salvation. In verses 14 and 15, we find that joy comes to the people by the king's presence in their midst. Why? Because he's, he's taking away all the judgments against them. And he's conquering all his and their enemies. And the effect of this wonderful work of the king in the midst of the people is, you will rejoice and exult with all your heart, verse 14, 
over this good work of the king bringing salvation. And then in verse 15, you shall never again fear evil. And Zephaniah's point is to show that the king is in the midst of his people saving them that they may have joy even in trials. So let us think about salvation. Salvation, we can never say enough about salvation, but I want to say three things about salvation. And I want to look at salvation in these three ways. I was saved. At some point in time, God gave me a new heart and a new nature and enabled me to see my sin, repent of it, and turn to him in saving faith. I was saved. And through that gift of faith, he justified me. He adopted me into his family. So we need to think about salvation in terms of what God has. If we're a Christian today, what God All right, very good. Now that sounds better. If I sound better to myself, it must sound good. So I was saved. But I'm being saved. Because God not only gives me a new nature, uh, enables me to be converted, repent and believe, justify me, adopt me, but he also begins this process in me of sanctifying me to make me more and more like Jesus. And so sanctification is that process where I can say I'm being saved, and I will be saved, that one day when Jesus comes back, everything will be completed, including my salvation, and I will be glorified. I will be with him in heaven. I just simply wanted to mention that just for us to, just to, to know the, the vastness and the grandeur of God's saving work in us. Verse 16 reminds us of that coming day, the, the, the day of the Lord, when he brings all things to their appointed end. On that day, Satan's sin and death will be destroyed. There'll be no more tears. There will be no more heartache. There'll be no more shame. There'll be no more guilt. For the believer in heaven, if, it's hard to believe this. <laughs> But for the believer in heaven, we will, be, we will not be able to sin in heaven. Sin will be destroyed. That's amazing, isn't it? And in light of this, this glorious future that Zephaniah talks about, he says, let not your hands grow weak, says the prophet. As we reflect upon the past, God saved me. As we reflect upon the future, all that God has promised will be completely fulfilled one day. It reminds us that today as I'm being sanctified, as I am struggling in the Christian life, seeking to do the will of God, but yet struggling with sin that remains in me, the prophet says, look what God has done, look what God is going to do, and today let not your hands grow weak. 
You've been saved to live a life of faith, a life empowered by God the Holy Spirit. Now we come to verse 17. And this verse repeats the theme of of God the Mighty One being being in the midst of his people. But yet he uses this, this Hebrew term for God, Gabor, Mighty One. And this term describes a strong and valiant man. This, this term points to, identifies God as this mighty warrior who is fighting for his people. The battle is the Lord's. Remember that from scripture? And God is fighting for you and for me if we are his even today. Psalm 24, 8, who is this king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle? Joshua 23, 10, one man man of you puts to fight a thousand since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. The mighty warrior king fights for his people. He fights to save them. Past, present, future. And I just want to focus on the last little bit of verse 17 because we find something interesting here. You would think that after Zephaniah describes this this incredible, glorious reality of, of the mighty one fighting for us and saving us, that verse 17 would end with, and the people rejoiced and gave thanks and went forth we would think that it would end with the people's response, but the verse ends with God's response. And this is the very heart of the passage, how God responds to what God does in the lives of his people. First, God responds to his own work by rejoicing over the redeemed, by being glad, simply put, He delights over them. And how are we to understand God delighting over us? A friend of mine, Richard, grew up in a Jewish home. And most Jewish grandmothers love their grandchildren. And they will do just about anything to be with their grandchildren and to make them happy. And so Richard described to me his uh, grandmother who would just glow every time she even saw a picture of her grandchildren. And Richard's grandmother would bake all sorts of goodies, especially strudel, and she would bake them for her grandchildren. And you know what gave her delight? Not eating the strudel, but watching her grandchildren eat the strudel. Now, there there is a, a Yiddish word... That, that expresses joy. And the Yiddish word is kavel, K-V-E-L. And Richard said that his grandmother would bake these goodies and she would kavel over her children, delighting and enjoying what she had made. It was her delight to see her grandchildren delight in her provisions. 
the mighty one delights over us. He cavells over us. As he sees us delighting in what he has provided for us, a rich salvation in Christ Jesus. Secondly, God's cavelling over us is expressed in singing. I was whistling to my little grandson yesterday, and he's only, what, four months old, three or four months old, and he looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) But I was so happy. He was on my lap, and I was whistling. A whistle, songs of joy. If twinkle, twinkle, little stars, a song of joy. But the big, the big picture of, of Scripture is God telling us, I am your God, and you are my people, and we will be together for eternity. That's the big picture, the big story, the meta-narrative of Scripture. And Zephaniah's words reflect this overarching theme. The mighty one is in your midst. He is in your midst saving you. Why? So he can cavell over you for eternity as you delight in what he has provided, this rich salvation. Brothers and sisters, know that God is delighting over you now if you are in Christ Jesus. Do you hear him singing or do you hear the background noise? Have you ever noticed that sound is everywhere? It's near impossible to to get away from it unless you have my headphones. And let me tell you something. The noise of guilt and shame is almost impossible to escape. Not only the noise of guilt and shame that comes from without, but probably more problematic is the noise of guilt and shame that comes from within. (laughs) We we really don't need to be shamed. We do quite well at shaming ourselves. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, the first shamers, the first guilty, they sin and experience shame for the first time. The fact that they are aware of their nakedness in Genesis chapter 3 simply depicts that They now had shame. They were aware they had sinned and they were aware of it. They had guilt. Why? Because God comes to the garden. What do they do? They go and hide as if they thought they could hide from God. King David sinned grievously in the Bathsheba episode as recorded in 2 Samuel 11 and 2 Samuel 12. And 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 he tried to cover it up. He was found out, wasn't he? No doubt David, we know David had shame and guilt. You know, all you have to do is read Psalm 51. It comes to be pretty clear there. Peter in the Gospels experienced guilt and shame over the sin of denying Jesus three times. And in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 75 tells of, of Peter being outed by some of the people around this campfire. And he was... Sh- so ashamed and so guilty that he 
He didn't just walk out. The text seems to indicate that he ran out weeping bitterly, the text says. Shame and guilt. Paul in Romans 7, verses 7 through 24, there the Apostle Paul brings us to the place of saying that as a Christian, he experiences shame and guilt because of the remaining struggle with sin as a Christian. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And he says in verse 24, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Have you ever said that? I have. Because of my sin and the shame and the guilt associated with it just bearing upon me. And Suzanne described the years of feeling shame and guilt over her sin. Every person here today could stand up like Suzanne and give a story of shame and guilt and hopefully give a story of how the gospel liberates from that. Because that's the promise of the gospel, freedom. Freedom from shame and freedom from guilt. I look out over us today and even as you look at me, there seems to be a rather happy facade most of the time. And yet I would, it is my opinion that if we were able to see into one another's soul, we would see brokenness, we would see despair, we would see shame, we would see guilt. Sometimes I think we have shame and guilt over future sins. It's just that powerful. But we surely have shame and guilt over past and present sins. The life-taking, life-crushing noise of accusations, distortions of the gospel, humanistic philosophies are all about us today. The noise that suggests, like Suzanne said, that God cannot possibly forgive you that God can in no way love you or ever use you in ministry because of what you have done can echo in our hearts and in our minds so loudly that we can't hear anything else. And we certainly can't hear. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This noise can overwhelm us and drown out the life-giving, life-building song of the gospel. Before you know it, we've fallen into functional unbelief. We theoretically believe in Jesus and believe all the Bible says about Jesus, believe the promises, we can name them one by one, but practically when it comes to living, living in light of those promises, we doubt. Functional unbelief. And when that happens, when we begin to turn from trusting and resting in what God has said in his promises, guilt and shame creep in. No, they don't creep in, they flood in. (laughs) And I would just like to suggest to you that 
one of the reasons that we can have shame and guilt is because we, we struggle with idolatry. In Jeremiah 2.13, I've, I've read so many times before, I'll read it again. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And what this verse is describing here is is an Israelite or a Christian like you and me. We know Jesus is the living water. We believe Jesus is the living water. We have tasted of that living water. We are, we are um, hoping for a future based on that living water. There's no doubt in our minds Jesus is the living water. He is life. He is eternal life. And all who trust in him, believe on him, will be with him in heaven. Yes, And then we can turn right around and try to live the Christian life in our own strength. Dig our little cistern and try to get life out of it. That's what Jeremiah is describing here. He's he's not describing a pagan. He's not describing someone outside the kingdom of God. He is describing someone in the covenant community. He's describing what we'd say today as a Christian who struggles with idolatry. That's, That's the dynamic that we see here. And when we fall into idolatry and we turn from trusting Jesus practically in our life, the shame and the guilt just just pour in. And you know what? At any given moment, that shame and guilt can pour in and drown out the song of the gospel. And so we need spiritual noise-canceling headphones. God dealt with Adam and Eve's shame. This is the third point, by the way, his love. God dealt with Adam and Eve's shame by slaughtering an animal, skinning it, and clothing them. God brought King David to repentance and forgave him to the extent that David was able to say in Psalm 51 that the joy of his salvation was restored. Peter denied Jesus three times, and in John chapter 21, we see Jesus restoring Peter Three times saying, Peter, I know you love me. Peter, I know you love me. Peter, I know you love me. And so fully did did Jesus restore Peter that he restored Peter to ministry. And Peter became the great apostle of, of, of the church. And Paul did not end the story at Romans chapter 7 verse 24. But with chapter 7 verse 25 and chapter 8 verse 1. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then... I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the answer for our struggle with sin. Jesus is the answer for our being overcome by shame and guilt because of functional unbelief. And the fact of the matter is, We have so much sin and failure in our lives, past, present, and yet to come, that if we listen to the condemning noise that is blaring all around us and from within, we will absolutely be overcome and crushed. But Zephaniah points to these spiritual noise-canceling headphones that God provides for us and here's the spiritual noise counseling canceling headphones that I see here in 
Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, this simple little phrase, he will quiet you with his love. Abortion is sin, as Suzanne said. The greatest tragedy is the life of a child being ended. And as also Suzanne expressed that the mother and the father of that aborted child sooner or later will likely suffer the deep, deep wounds that sin creates. One father of an aborted baby, his name is Piper, he's known as Piper, is pictured standing at a chain-link fence and he's looking in at a playground, a children's playground. And his gaze is zeroed in on an empty swing, on a swing set. And he mourns the death of his child by abortion. Piper, Jinho Ferreira, a rap singer of the hip-hop group Flipside, writes about this in his song, Happy Birthday. Please accept my apologies. Wonder what would have been. Would you have been a little angel or an angel of sin? Tomboy running around, hanging with all the guys, or a little tough boy with beautiful brown eyes. I paid for the murder before they determined the sex. Choosing our life over your life meant your death. And you never got a chance to even open your eyes. Sometimes I wonder as a fetus if you fought for your life. Then the refrain, what I thought was a dream, make a wish, was as real as it seemed, happy birthday. What I thought was a dream, make a wish, was as real as it seemed, I made a mistake. Happy birthday is a pro-life message from a most unusual and unexpected source, a mainstream rap singer and group. I'm thankful for Piper's perspective. I'm thankful that he was brought to see his sin. I'm thankful that he stood there at that chain link fence mourning and grieving the life he said he took. He described it in terms of murder. I'm thankful for that. Piper is expecting another child with his partner. And he said, I won't make the same mistake twice. I have no idea about Piper's spiritual state. I do not believe he's writing from a purely Christian perspective here, although we can certainly appreciate his journey, but his words illustrate no doubt the deep wounds 
that abortion has caused in his life, and I believe the deep wounds abortion causes in every parent's life that aborts a child, if they recognize it or not. And this also illustrates that even an unredeemed person can come to see the sin and grieve over it and experience shame and guilt like Piper depicts. For those who admit for those who admit their mistake and grieve over aborting a child are not true and are not true believers the best that they can do not the best I can do but uh, I guess we need a little bit of levity <laughs> but the best that they can do is to hope that they can try harder not to make uh, the same mistake. You know, for the redeemed of the Lord, we, we often find our, ourselves spending too much time at that fence where shame and guilt just pour in over and over again until we're overwhelmed. And in functional unbelief, we can try to deal with it by saying, I'll do better, and guess what? Our doing better will never take away the shame and the guilt. The noise will drive us deeper and deeper and deeper into despair. But Zephaniah tells us there's another way. It is a way that is described in this way. He will quiet you with his love. As we turn from our trying harder, as we turn from our being overwhelmed in grief and in uh, guilt and in shame and we just turn in faith to God he's promised to put those noise counseling headphones on that is his love that drowns out all the shame and guilt as those as that pouring out of his love upon us cancels all that background noise that brings us to shame and guilt It reminds us and it brings us to live in light of the reality of his love, his redeeming love for us in Christ Jesus. That Jesus has removed the judgments like Zephaniah talks about. He has taken our sin upon himself. He has paid for it in full by his death. In him, the wrath of God that we deserve, the judgment of God that we deserve, the punishment from God that we deserve, Christ took it all and freed us from it forever. And he has clothed us with his righteousness that our standing before him is justified right before the law. We are free from guilt and we are just before the throne of grace in Christ Jesus. And he is conquering all our enemies, Jesus is. You know that? And the chief enemy he is conquering is that enemy of indwelling sin in our own souls. In the process of sanctification. Putting that sin in us. 
enabling us to live more and more unto righteousness. It is this song of the gospel, this song of our God's delight over us. As we began to delight in the gospel, we began to hear him sing of his delight over us, God's cavelling over us. And today, if you're struggling with shame and guilt, I would suggest that you are in functional and belief, that you are trying to live the Christian life in your own strength. And the remedy is very simple. Turn from that little hole that you've dug, Jeremiah 2.13, and turn again to the rushing river of living water who is Jesus and hear him sing. That's the remedy for shame and guilt. All sin, including abortion, results in shame and guilt. And the remedy is to believe once again upon Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and your burden is light. And Paul reminds us yet again. Now, how many times have we read Romans 8, 1 today? I don't know, five, six times? I'm going to read seventh, eighth time if I have to. Because I need to hear this over and over again. Why? Because it's so easy for me to fall in functional unbelief and no longer hear God say, therefore, there's, there's, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the, that's the life-giving music of the gospel to our souls. That's what we need to hear. And that drowns out all the noise of shame and guilt. By faith, may we hear him singing. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you. Not with singing. But with loud singing. Let us pray. Father, may these words seep deeply into our hearts And may we hear you sing of your delight over us who are in Christ Jesus. Amen.